You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Marina Brayman. Today, we're sitting down with Katherine Farkison, project coordinator at Nika ATC, to talk about her role at the center and more specifically the EHE program. Welcome, Katherine. Thank you, Mariana. So, Catherine, tell listeners a little bit about what you do here at the Northeast Caribbean AIDS Education and Training Center, or NICA ATC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I assist in the development, coordination, and implementation of educational trainings related to the HIV care continuum and behavioral health. Um, so, I meet with regional partners across our Northeast jurisdiction and ensure that we're all working to push the goals of the Ending the HIV Epidemic Initiative. Um, So this includes preparing presentations, setting project goals and objectives. And I also meet with um, the partners monthly to monitor the the movement and progression of those projects that we're working on. And how did you get here? You know, what brought you to public health to begin with? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So typical undergraduate. um, I actually got my undergraduate degree, um, a bachelor's in journalism. And I wanted to be a TV news reporter. And, you know, the typical story of you finish school and you just can't find a job in the, the field that you wanted to work in. Um, so I ended up taking an internship at a New York City hospital. Um, it's called Metropolitan Hospital. It's in East Harlem, a city hospital. And during my time there, I actually um, was working with the publication department. So I was helping to create content um, for the various clinics in the hospital, um, like the Stroke Center webpage, providing information on you know, early signs of a stroke. Um, they were also developing a breast health center for women. So it was a community initiative to bring women from the community into the hospital to get early screenings um, to detect breast cancer. So I created content for the brochures and the webpage for that, um, edited like hospital guidelines and policies. So that's what I did for my internship. That was about three months. And during that time of just working in a hospital and meeting and connecting with people, I kind of had this like this change of heart, I realized that even though TV news reporting would have been like really cool to, you know, just be on TV and stuff, I wanted to do something a little bit more fulfilling. I wanted to kind of give back and help people and, you know, have a voice for, you know, minority communities, people who are not aware of certain healthcare and, and mental health things that are available to them. And so my interest switched from wanting to do journalism into the realm of public health. Um, I kind of like the flexibility that came with public health too. 
it's it's a very very broad field and there's so much you can do with it and I like the idea that I wouldn't be boxed into just one category that I could do so much with it I could do outreach I could do health education project management and so forth so I decided to go back to school and get my master's in public health um, and during my last year of grad school I was actually working I actually got a job working at the, the hospital that I interned at three years prior after finishing my undergraduate degree. Um, so I was working there during my last year of grad school. The pandemic hit. I was right there in the thick of it. I was actually working on an inpatient unit. So I saw all the effects that came with COVID. You know, it was chaotic. Um, but I finished up my last year of grad school. And as soon as I finished in last December, I started applying once again. And luckily this time I was able to land a, a job working here at the Nika ATC three months after finishing school. And um, yeah, that's how I ended up here. <laughs> Great. So let's get into it. Firstly, what does EHE stand for and what is the EHE program? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so EHE stands for Ending the HIV Epidemic. So it is a national project that was launched in 2019 and it is also federally funded. And the goal of it is to reduce the number of HIV infections by 75% by the year 2025 and overall of 90% by 2030. So the initiative aims to combat racial, ethnic, and geographic disparities and inequities that interrupt HIV care and prevention. And the plan tackles 57 priority jurisdictions that account for more than half of the new HIV diagnosis. So at the NICA ATC, we have come together to tackle these issues across our Northeast jurisdiction by putting together a comprehensive work plan that tackles the EHE. The Ending the HIV Epidemic Initiative focuses on four key strategies that, you know, implemented together can end the HIV epidemic in the U.S., and those are diagnose, treat, prevent, and respond. How is NICA ATC addressing these key strategies with its EHE project? So just to tackle each pillar, because each pillar is, is very important and we're working on <clears throat> we're working on tackling each pillar one by one. So to diagnose, right? So with that, we want to increase the number of providers and community health workers that can provide HIV testing. So this includes identifying best practices and appropriate training and technical assistance needs. So we at the NICA ATAs, NICA ATC are currently working on an initiative titled Testing Champion. And what we want to do is we want to locate federally qualified health centers across our Northeast jurisdiction that we can engage with and mold them into HIV testing champions. And that will help tackle the pillar of diagnose. So we want to help build sites that are a model for HIV testing. And with this, we want to take the work that we're doing by engaging with those sites. We want to create a best a best, a best practices toolkit on what it's like to actually engage with the site and mold them into a testing champion. So that tackles that pillar of to diagnose. The second pillar is to treat. So we want to increase the number of healthcare providers and professionals in our EHE jurisdictions who can competently provide care and treatment along the phases of the HIV care continuum. This is from testing to linking patients to care, to engaging and also retaining people with HIV in care so that they can achieve viral suppression. So we're putting together a toolkit. Um, it's on a regimen simplification of um, ART medication, antiretroviral medication. And we wanna help patients simplify their regimen down to no more than two to three pills a day for ease of use. We also provide information on possible drug interactions. So sometimes, HIV positive patients, if they're taking ART medication, but they're also taking medication for other things, maybe um, 
high blood pressure or um, blood thinners or whatever it could be, there's a, the possibility of drug interactions and people don't know this. And then they stop taking their, the ART medication because it, it makes them feel this way or it makes them feel that way. So we also are providing a list of information that details possible drug interactions when it comes to ART medication, just to name a few. And with this information, we hope to keep people well-informed and also you know, help them to achieve viral suppression. So that tackles that pillar to treat. To prevent, we wanna increase the number of healthcare professionals that are able to competently prescribe prevention strategies such as PrEP, pre-exposure prophylactics for people who are at risk for HIV infection. So we've already begun developing trainings at the NIC ATC in the area of PrEP. And this includes webinars that provide information on PrEP for adolescents, clinical updates on varying PrEP medications that exist out there, and also the distribution of um, PrEP infographics across our, um, our jurisdictions. And then lastly, to respond, that one kind of is, is a combination of everything of the previous three, three pillars, but we want to quickly respond to potential HIV outbreaks and link people to the appropriate treatment and prevention services. Um, so if we have competent providers and we have a community workforce of people that can help get people who are at risk for HIV infection linked to the care and the services that they need, then we are tackling that pillar of responding. The HIV.gov website has a section that's devoted to the AHE initiative, and we noticed that it contains some facts that may surprise people. So more mm -hmm. than a million Americans are currently living with HIV. Progress on further reducing new HIV cases has stalled with an estimated 38,000 Americans being newly diagnosed each year, despite the availability of tools to prevent transmissions. And, you know, there's a real risk of an HIV resurgence due to several factors, including, you know, trends in injection and other drug use, HIV-related stigma, homophobia and transphobia, lack of access to HIV prevention, testing, and treatment, and a lack of awareness that HIV remains a significant public health threat. Can you talk about how Nika ATC is tackling these factors that contribute to new HIV cases? So aside from addressing the, the four pillars, um, the NICA ATC, we have put together our, our own comprehensive work plan to combat new HIV infections. So there's this community-driven approach to mitigate racism, transphobia, homophobia, ageism, and all other systems of oppression that fuel those HIV-related health inequities in this work plan that we've created. Many of the trainings that we've done thus far, they work to address the stigmas, the biases, the fears that surround HIV. So this in itself is a great starting point because many people are actually afraid to sit down and have conversations about sex and HIV. Even in healthcare settings, you go to the doctor's office and it's kind of like HIV testing and the topic of HIV is so isolated from all the other aspects of health. We could talk about, hey, you have high blood pressure, or, hey, how's your heart feeling? But like when it comes to HIV, it's like it's completely separated. People don't want to talk about it. Um, so at our central office, we have worked in conjunction with the Columbia University Behavioral Health Center. We've constructed a series of um, a webinar series this past summer titled Standing Up to Sigma. And this webinar consisted of content from lived experiences of experts describing stigmas that exist in HIV care and how they affect clients and care teams and what actually works to reduce stigma. It also included um, discussion of language on patient care and ways to reduce language biases. So that in itself is a great start. You know, addressing HIV-related stigma is, is, a, is a big thing. 
it's a big thing to tackle and it, it really does exist. And even just the language, like I said, how we address and how we talk about HIV, um, it, it is there's a lot of stigma that exists behind it. And so we've gone ahead and created those webinar series to kind of just help ease those stigmas that exist also helping people to be a little bit more conscientious of the language that they use when they're speaking with patients um, who are HIV positive or about HIV um, and so forth. So that's just one of the many things that we're doing, but that work plan definitely, it, it works to address those stigmas and biases and fears that exist. Nika ATC focuses on New Jersey, New York, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, but the federal EHE plan is investing in 57 priority jurisdictions, including 48 counties, Washington, D.C., and San Juan, Puerto Rico, where more than 50% of new HIV diagnoses occurred in 2016 and 2017, as well as in seven states with a disproportionate occurrence of HIV in rural areas. How is NICA ATC working with its regions, jurisdictions to support their federal EHE projects? Mm -hmm. um, so within each jurisdictional work plan for the, the, the regions that we work with across um, the Northeast, so we consist of New York, New Jersey, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, like you stated in the beginning. Um, we noticed that there were a few trends that existed in each of those jurisdictional work plans. So there were specific areas of HIV care and prevention that were highlighted as priority areas that the federal government felt that we, that we needed to tackle in our EHE initiative. So what we did was that we created these four work groups with our regional partners to address those trends that we kept seeing across all of those jurisdictional work plans. So we created four work groups and it's the first one is a testing work group, which will work to increase the number of people who know their HIV status by diagnosing HIV infection as early as possible. We have our PrEP work group, which focuses on facilitating access to PrEP and other prevention strategies. Our viral suppression work group will address the medical side of viral suppression and transitions that may interrupt care. And then lastly, we have a social, cultural, economic determinants work group. And this group works to increase the number of healthcare providers who are, that are well-versed in the social determinants of health and also help uh, providers to recognize how these determinants can fuel structural and cultural inequities and impacts on vulnerable populations. So I actually meet with each work group on a monthly basis and we sit down and we brainstorm ideas for trainings um, that we can put together that's part of the EHE initiative. We kind of collaborate and you know we'll say like, hey, you know, you did this training last year, last month or last year, like how can we expand on it? Like how can we make sure that it's, it's applicable to all of our Northeast jurisdictions and how can, we, um, how can we all benefit from it and share the materials and collaborate with one another? So that's what we've been doing thus far as part of the EHE initiative and it's been working out pretty great. We have a lot of great webinars and conferences that are coming up, um, especially for 2022, so. The federal plan has set a goal to reduce new infections nationwide by 90% by 2030 and thereafter to implement case management to maintain the number of new infections at fewer than 3,000 per year. How will Liga ATC's mission to enhance workforce capacity help to achieve these pretty ambitious goals? Well, firstly, we want to just expand on the existing services and trainings by engaging with a wide range of community partners who provide outreach um, services. So this will include community-based organizations, programs that may work with people who 
have substance abuse, um, use disorders, or serious mental illness, homeless shelters, community leaders, and other non-traditional HIV partners who provide and engage with people living with HIV. So we will develop learning communities, uh, providers facilitating similar challenges, I'm sorry, providers that experience and face similar challenges across the Northeast jurisdiction and provide expanded trainings on health disparities and intersecting stigmas that exist that impact our most vulnerable populations. So currently, for example, we are developing a new project, Epidemic ATC 20 project under the Bureau of Primary Care, Bureau of Primary Health Care, excuse me, where we utilize 20 and what that is, is we engage with FQHCs, Federally Qualified Health Centers, and we'll pair a mentor site. So it's someone, a site that is um, a premier site for whether it be PrEP um, or HIV testing, and we'll pair them with a mentee site, FQHC mentee site that needs some training, some expanded um, engagement from a, a more robust site. And we'll go in and work with them and you know, pair the two, and, and, and that's one of the ways that we're, we're involving the community and working with each other. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of ambitious goals under the EHE initiative, but, you know, it's a start just communi communicating with our FQHCs that exist and working with them and, and, you know, allowing mentor sites and mentee sites to work with each other and, and develop them from there. What can our listeners expect to see in the way of new trainings, webinars, and conferences from Nika ATC's EHE project? Mm -hmm. um, so as I stated with the, the work groups, we have a lot of stuff that is planned for 2022. Um, our social determinants work group, we actually have a conference that's scheduled for March of 2022, and it is a homelessness and housing instability conference. And at that conference, we are going to be addressing um, people who are homeless, are unstably housed, food insecurity, and also the stigma of homelessness. Um, our prep work group is currently in the talks of putting together a, um, a webinar. It's based on the patient experience of being on prep. So we actually have one of our regional partners um, here in New York at Stony Brook University that had the opportunity to interview a patient that was on prep and was able to record the interview. And our plan is to take that interview and see how we can turn it into a, a training where we'll discuss that patient experience of being on prep, what it's like to access it the firsthand experience of being on it, how it impacts day-to-day -day routine um, and so forth so that people can get an insight of what it is like to be a patient using that medication. Um, the regional partners in our testing work group um, at the US Virgin Islands actually is putting together a training regarding sex positivity. And this will be addressing the stigmas that exist around sex and HIV. And it's specifically geared towards the younger populations out there in U.S. Virgin Islands, so that's scheduled for 2022. And then lastly, our virus suppression work group is also working towards creating a training for um, smaller clinics and primary care groups to inform them of simplified treatment regimens that exist for patients who are not virally suppressed. Um, so it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about regimen simplification, pairing back regimens only two to three pills a day, informing of possible drug interactions. Um, not many smaller primary healthcare groups may know that these simplified regimens exist. So we wanna create that training um, so that they are aware of what they can do if a patient, it does come into their community or their clinic and it's not virally suppressed. This is what they can do. This is the regimen that exists. 
Um, these are the possible drug interactions that can exist and so forth. So we have a lot of great things coming up um, for, the, for the next year. Um, a couple of other trainings in development, but these are the ones that are solidified for right now. Catherine, thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about everything you do at NECA AATC and the EHE program. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about NECA AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.necaatc.org. That's www.necaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you next time for our latest episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.